Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. How are you? I want to tell you how excited I am to bring episode 200 to you. It just blows my mind to think about that. And I wanted to do a little bit of a little walk down memory lane, but mostly I have some clips from the top 10 episodes in terms of listeners' downloads that I've ever had. And it's been very interesting. I've got some observations about that. I started this podcast back in 2017, and I probably told this story many a time on the podcast before, but bear with me if I'm telling it again. I had this Rain Man idea in my head that it cost $5,000 to podcast. Just never with any, no facts at all, just thought it cost a ton of money. And I was in this women's group at the time, and the, the advice that was given to me was, well, do a teleseminar. That will be, you know, very affordable. And I could not get off of square one with teleseminars. I had zero energy, zero desire, zero enthusiasm around doing a teleseminar. And I was listening to someone else's podcast one day, and it was, I don't even remember what the topic was, but it was sort of challenging your beliefs or something like that. And so immediately I thought, well, you know what? I ought to challenge my belief that it costs $5,000 to podcast. And so I, you know, it's one of those situations you may have been in in your life where you don't even know what you don't know. Like I didn't even know where to start. How do I know how much it costs when I don't even know what it takes to podcast? So I found a podcast on podcasting and great foundational information there. And they had a great website with information on the what equipment I would need and kind of what they recommended at the lower level, mid-level and upper level. And so I went with mid-level equipment that they said could serve you for from now till duration. It could serve you for, you know, the whole time. And I got started and needless to say, Podcasting doesn't cost $5,000. Now, you can spend $5,000 on it if you want to, but you certainly don't have to. And I think the message that I want to give you here in the intro to this is to follow where your energy is and follow your passion and make sure you're not telling yourself a lie about about the situation, right? I was essentially telling myself a lie that it costs too much money to podcast. And I have to say, even in the early days when no one was listening and I really didn't know what I was doing and sometimes the sound quality wasn't great and I didn't know how to fix it. It was such a joy to me to do this podcast every week for you guys. And I've missed 
very few weeks, usually around the Christmas holidays, I take a couple weeks off. And that's about it, right? I pretty much go every week. It's been a very dependable thing that I've brought to you guys. And I have to say, the payoff has been there. And I think the message that I want to give you guys is if you have something that is a dream, a passion of yours, you stick with it. You don't let the naysayers or let, you know, lack of early evidence that you're doing a great job dissuade you from this thing that you're passionate about. And I have to say that almost all of my clients come to me now from the podcast. And the beautiful thing about that is they already know, like, and trust me, which is in sales, that's it's everything, right? You have to know this person. You have to like them. You have to trust that they can do what they say they're going to do. And And those clients who come to me from the podcast already feel that way about me. They feel like I'm this friend of theirs. I've been told that they listen to me while they're exercising, driving in their car. My favorite one was a client told me she was listening to me while she was getting acupuncture. which I don't know how I feel about that, but it was a hoot (laughs) associate me with needles. So stick with whatever it is that you love Do it with your whole heart. Don't give up. Don't let the evidence prove you wrong, right? Don't let the early evidence that if no one's listening or buying your your thing that you make or reading the book that you wrote, whatever it is, don't let that dissuade you if that's what's in your heart to do. If that's your purpose, then keep sticking with it and and the crop will come in at the appointed time. I can promise you that. So these 10 episodes, it was very interesting to me to look at the theme because there was very clearly a theme and it was always around interviewing. So with the exception of one episode on transferable skills, an episode on networking, one on negotiations, job negotiations, which is still kind of interviewing. It was all about inter- interviewing, and that's so interesting. And I try to put out as much content as I can around interviewing, and clearly you guys love it. So what I have done is in the show notes, I have put these 10 episodes, the titles, and the links to each so that should you want to listen to them in their fullness, you are welcome to do so. But I've created little, you know, minute, two-minute clips of these 10 episodes for you to hopefully enjoy as my gift to you for my 200th podcast episode. I hope that you do enjoy them. I'd love to hear your comments about them. And I hope I'm around for 200 more episodes, quite frankly, because I absolutely love bringing this to you every week. So enjoy and take care. Coming in at number 10 was episode number 85, developing your questions to ask the interviewer. So you've got to have questions to ask the interviewer. It shows a complete lack of interest in the position if you don't. But what I see very often, especially with entry-level candidates, is that their questions are either simplistic and I'm, I'll, I'm going to go into a little more detail about what I mean by that. They're either simplistic or they are kind of canned questions. They're not questions that are based on what you really want to know. They show a very surface level understanding of the company, of the position, whatever the situation may be. And I really want you to do a much more well thought out interview question. So we're going to talk about how to do that. The ninth most popular podcast was episode number 140, Transferable Skills with my guest, Jeannie Bowen. And then I have them write a a very comprehensive list of their transferable skills. And I have 
several documents and tools with thought, you know, provoking questions that I, I use with clients to help them reflect on it. And then we'll discuss it. And oftentimes I'm able to even help uh, extract and, and point out things that they're not even seeing just from our interactions. Um, I've got a good career exploration tool that I use. And, the, and there's a number of different online resources that I'll refer clients to um, you know, as they're working through this process to help them identify the kind of what do they want to do, where do they want to do it, how much money do they need to earn, and what is, what is really possible for them. The eighth most popular podcast was episode number 152, Special Considerations for Zoom and Phone Interviews. I put this one out during the pandemic. Think about things like closing blinds, closing curtains. You really want to take a critical look at your background. What are they going to be looking at? Will they be distracted by that? Now, you may need to use one of the like the Zoom virtual backgrounds. I don't love them because they are still very pixelated. And oftentimes when you move your head, like your ear looks like it fell off, right? Like it's very disconcerting. I don't care for it. Um, and certainly doesn't fool anybody. Now, you may have access to better performing backgrounds than what is provided by Zoom. So, you know, that's that's your option. But in general, if you can make your natural background undisturbed, look professional, have the right lighting, you're going to be better off. Coming in at number seven is episode 99. Don't make these fatal interview mistakes. I really want to talk about showing up improperly for the job interview and for kind of that whole entire job interview process. And these are the ways that I see people doing that. So I've got 13 kind of tips that I want to give you here in terms of these fatal interview mistakes. So number one is probably one that sticks in my craw and makes me wince more than any other kind of comment that I get from people. And it is folks who tell me that they're going through an interview just for practice. Now, I want to make a very clear distinction here. The sixth most listened to episode was number 107. Why should I hire you? How to answer this tough question. Those answers are completely non-differentiating. So I want you to think about, and this is kind of how I coach my clients, is whatever answer you gave me, I want you to think about the reverse. And would anyone ever say that? So has anyone ever gone into an interview proclaiming that they are a slacker, right? So I'm not a hard worker. I'm definitely, I'm pretty lazy. Has anyone ever stated in an interview that they are a loner? So I'm definitely not a team player. So don't hire me for that. I like to be alone. Has anyone ever stated in an interview for an accounting position that they aren't good with numbers, taken for granted that you are? Has anyone ever stated in an interview for a business analyst position that they aren't analytical? It's in the job title. So here's the problem. Those things do not differentiate you whatsoever from the competition. Number two, the fifth most popular episode of my podcast was number 145, How to Fail at Networking. Taking a Tommy gun rather than a, a bow and arrow approach, I think, is a way to fail at networking. And so um, actually, that was what I talked about in the last couple of weeks in the webinars that I've been doing. And the Tommy gun approach, and this is my term, Tommy gun approach is kind of shooting everybody and just telling them, if you think of anything, I'm looking for a job. It kind of goes in one ear and out the other. There's no strategy involved. You're not 
while you're networking, which is an active job search strategy, you're not really very strategic. So there's a way to be much more active, and that is with the bow and arrow approach, right, where you're being very strategic about who you talk to, what you ask of them, and, and those kinds of things. So here's what you can ask yourself to be a more strategic networker is, number one, what goals do I currently have for networking? So if you think about the Tommy Gun approach, it's it's scattershot. There is no strategy there. I can't really be goal-oriented. Coming in at number four was episode 84, Prepping for the Behavioral Interview. The philosophy behind behavioral interviewing questions are that Past performance is the best indicator of future performance. So behavioral questions sound like, tell me about a situation when you that really tested your organizational skills. Tell me about a situation that required you to ramp up your leadership skills. Tell me about a time when you were tasked with bringing an underperforming team up to par. And it always going to start with something like, tell me about a situation when, tell me about a time when. And it requires you to give a specific story. And what I find is that people who aren't prepared for behavioral interview questions do kind of one of two things. One is they start speaking in generalities to include third-person responses. So if I said, tell me about a time that really tested your organizational skills, they might say, well, um, a lot of times, you know, I'm really doing a lot of things, you know, at the same time and I'm multitasking but I always seem to get it done. So they really haven't provided me with any information and they certainly haven't spoken to their ability to utilize organizational skills. The other thing that they will do in that situation is they'll say, well, you know, when you're under that kind of pressure, I think the most important thing that someone can do is, and so they're kind of talking about themselves in third person. So it's all very hypothetical. And the whole point of behavioral questions are we want to see how you handled a similar situation. The third most listened to episode of my podcast was episode number 83, answering the dreaded strengths and weaknesses interview question. A mission critical weakness. What do I mean by that? So here are some examples. If you are applying for a position as an administrative assistant and you say that your greatest weakness is your lack of organizational skills, that would be mission critical. If you are an accountant who says that your greatest weakness is numbers, you're, you know, you just can't get your numbers laid out right and, you know, you're dyslexic with numbers, that's a mission critical weakness. If you are applying for a position as a teacher and you say that your greatest weakness is classroom management, I promise you they will not hire you. So it may be that you struggle with these things. These are not your strengths, but for goodness sake, don't give them as your greatest weakness in the interview because they are mission critical. And you will automatically be excluded from the candidate pool. The other thing about weaknesses, and this is one that that a lot of, I think, particularly entry-level candidates want to do, is they want to give a weakness that isn't really a weakness. And I cannot discourage this strongly enough, because what I promise you it will elicit is an eye roll. If it's not a visual eye roll from the interviewer, they will mentally be rolling their eyes. Oh, here we go again. So what do I mean? Like, oh, I'm just so dedicated and I work really long hours and I'm such a perfectionist. I always, you know, strive to provide the best product. Now, there are times when those might actually be the best answer for you to give. For example, you might say, well, if you'd have asked me, you know, six months ago, I would have said it was probably my habit for perfectionism. And I recognized that was really holding me back. 
you know, maybe give them an example of when it held you back and say, so I got this amazing book, give them the title of the book. And they had me do these exercises for 30 days to really be comfortable with putting out, you know, B plus work or whatever the book said. And because of that, X, Y, and Z have happened. So I'm not saying that the perfectionist thing might not be a good answer for you. What I'm saying is when you give it as an answer because you want to sound good, it's going to come across as being um, inauthentic and, oh, he's trying to impress us. He's trying to give us a, a, a weakness that isn't really a weakness and it will not go over well. And the most popular episode by a landslide was number 58 a long time ago. What you can and can't negotiate when you're being hired and how to do it. Number one is you want to carefully examine the job description. Now, this may sound very obvious, but I find that people don't really look at that and, and make the necessary connections. This is a quote uh, from Indeed. During your prep work, you should use the employer's posted job description as a guide. The job description is a list of the qualifications, qualities, and background the employer is looking for in an ideal candidate. The more you can align yourself with these details, the more the employer will be able to see that you are qualified. The job description may also give you ideas about questions the employer may ask throughout the interview. So let's talk about what that looks like. If the employer, if, for example, if, if the job posting says that they have a high priority on a, a certain skill or a credential, then you want to make sure that you weave your ability with that skill or the fact that you have a certain credential into one or more of your interview answers. Obviously, it's there on the resume. It's, it, um, it's not as though they don't know about it, but you want to reiterate it. You want it to be top of mind for them. You never want to assume that they're making connections between things that you want them to make connections between. You really want to spoon feed them that connection. You can also use the job description to kind of anticipate behavioral questions that you may be asked. So when I'm working with a client one-on-one -on -one and doing interview prep, I want the job description of the position that they're applying for. And I'm looking through for those skills and competencies, and I'm building behavioral interview questions around that. I want to talk about when you can negotiate. So there's really a relatively small window when you can negotiate. And it is between the time that a bona fide job offer has been made and the time that you've accepted it. So any earlier than that, and, and what do I mean by bona fide job offer? Something is in writing for you to look at. So they are not just talking hypothetically, you know, if we hired you or what would it take to hire you? At that point, it's still hypothetical. So once you have a typically written offer, in hand and then the time that you say yes so anything earlier than that is really premature again it's in the hypothetical phase anything later than that and I can almost promise you that they're not going to give you more than what you agreed to at that salary with you know the stipulations and everything that was in that contract they're not likely to come back and say oh yeah let me give you another ten thousand um, dollars I think that's a great idea so you have that window of opportunity so here are your options when you're given a job offer. So first of all, you can accept the offer as is, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to do that, but you can accept it as is. You can reject it as is and just say, 
you know, usually that means that either it's just not the right position for you and there's really nothing that, that you could negotiate that would make that the right position for you, or the salary or some other aspect of the job is so far away from ideal for you that you don't think that any amount of negotiation, you know, let's say you want six weeks of vacation a year and they're offering you a week of vacation a year, there's not much chance that you're going to get to a place, no matter how much negotiation you do, that is going to be satisfactory to you. If there's, you know, a a 50% difference in salary, it's not likely that that's going to be negotiated away. And then the third option is to negotiate the offer. So yes, it's good. We're in the ballpark. This is a good starting point and I want to work with it. I like the job. I'm, I'm interested in it. There are a couple things I'm concerned about, so I want to negotiate it. So should you negotiate? So if you are completely, totally happy with the job as it stands, you don't have to negotiate the position. Now, I don't recommend that you accept it on the spot because I think that you you just look a little bit eager, over eager. But also, I think you need time to really look at a written evaluate, a written um, offer to make sure that there's nothing in there that's kind of snuck in that you're not happy with. So you need time to to think about that process that you may have important people in your life that you want to share that with and discuss it with. So I recommend a couple days to, you know, maybe a week before you accept it. You kind of have to play that by ear. Um, It has a lot to do with you know, how fast has the process moved? Have they been kind of fast-tracking trying to get someone on, on the spot, you know, in the position as quickly as possible? They're probably not going to want to sit on their heels for a week while you make that decision. But a couple of days at minimum, you should be able to um, have to negotiate. So I, I've talked a little bit about when no is the appropriate response, when they're just, you're so far apart. Um, but I want to talk about some of those other reasons when no might be the best response for you. So you're going to reject the offer. First of all, if you've already accepted another offer, and this is a really sticky area, but I think that these things come back to haunt you. So I want you to be very certain when you accept a job that it's the job you want. You're not taking it out of a sense of desperation, a sense of lack, you know, until something better comes along, because that can really come back to haunt you professionally. But if you have already accepted another offer, then you really need to say no to this offer. So let's just say you've had an interview. It's been a while. You know, in the meantime, you've taken another job. They come around and say, hey, we'd like to offer it to you. It's too late. You want to say no. Another reason to say no is when you know that the company or the position is in direct conflict with your values and your career goals. So what they make, what they do, how they make it, how they do it is completely in direct conflict with your values. There's something presumably that you learned in the in the interview process because hopefully if you knew that at the outset you wouldn't have applied in the first place, but maybe you went in the interview and you saw something, you, you maybe did deeper research after the interview, you found something that was very disturbing to you on a kind of moral basis and you cannot in good conscience work for that company. Another reason that no is the appropriate response is, as I mentioned earlier, the salary or some other aspect of the job is just miles away from what you need. So you ideally, and I I talk about this real quick, I always, um, when I'm coaching my clients, we talk about three numbers. I want you to go into the interview with three numbers. One number 
is your dream number. That's that's where you'd like to start your your salary negotiations at. That's pie in the sky, but but not completely out of the blue. But it's a high number. At the other end, you want your walkaway number, the number at which you know that you can't live. You know that from day one, you're going to regret that you took that job because it's just not for you a real living wage. It doesn't it doesn't reflect the work that you do and the, the work that you put in. And then the middle number is that kind of hopeful that's where you're going to end up, right? So you've got this high number where you might want to start and if you're asked to throw out the first number in the negotiation process. And then that number in the middle is, this is what I really would like to walk away from um, in terms of salary. And so if you know that this job isn't going to pay no matter what negotiation is happening, you're so far apart that there's no way that that job's going to pay enough for you to live on, or let's say that it has to do with travel. Let's say that you would have to do extensive travel in this job and you're a new mother or a new father um, or you're you know new in a relationship or there's a family member who's very ill that you're going to be partially taking care of. So there could be something going on in your personal life for which extensive travel or some other aspect of the job is just not a good fit. You've been listening to The Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.